Good, beautiful morning to the black girls at PWIs and to the black folks at PWIs all across the world, county, state, wherever you at. Just know I'm talking to and about you. Good morning. I hope that this week has been amazing for you thus far. I hope that you're excited because we're now getting back to recording for season two of Black Girl at a PWI. I hope you feel blessed. I hope you feel called. And most importantly, I hope you feel seen, heard, and felt. You know that at Black Girl at a PWI, thriving instead of surviving in predominantly white spaces and in every day of our lives is our key. It's essential to the very fabric of what makes Black Girl at a PWI. And because of that, I got to get in your business every now and again and point out some areas where you're settling, areas where you're surviving and you're not thriving the way that God intended for you to show up, but also the way that you have been built to show up in spaces. So let's get into it. Now, today we're talking about something very, very special, but I'm going to make it short and quick because I'm going to be in your business for too long. The other day on our Instagram, Black Girl PWI, if you're not following us yet, I posted something on the story. It was really late. It was um, the night of Labor Day, right, coming to an end, and we were about to start our week, our work week, our school week, our whatever week that was about to be busy from having a three-day weekend type break. And I spoke to it because I felt like God put it on my heart. And so it was important for me to give it to the ladies, give it to the folks of Black Girl at the PWI um, and the folks at Black, at Black, you know what I'm saying, who are Black at predominantly white institutions um, or in predominantly white spaces. And that is everybody should not have access to you. Yeah, we're going to let that sit because I let it sit on the story. <laughs> everybody, sis bro, gang, friend, everybody should not have access to you. They shouldn't be able to call you at all times of the night. They shouldn't be able to blow your phone up when you're busy throughout your workday. They shouldn't be able to interrupt your thoughts that are focused towards purpose. They shouldn't have that much access to you to be a threat to you and what your life holds. I sat with it a little bit longer because I said, okay, what does this mean? Anybody who knows me knows that I'm big on images. I love to be able to paint a picture with my words, but also to be able to paint a picture that other people can see. So I started thinking, I said, what, what does this look like in real life? And the first thing that came to mind was a house. I imagine real estate because believe it or not, one time I wanted to be a real estate agent. Child, I don't want to be everything in the world. I wanted to be a spy. I wanted to be an assassin. I wanted to be a firefighter. I wanted to be a teacher. I wanted to be a lawyer. I, I wanted to be a real estate agent. Baby, anything that looked good, I wanted to be a period, point blank. But I was imagining being a real estate agent. And anybody knows that if you're buying a house or if you are selling a house as a real estate agent, you typically have open houses. Now... For the average Joe, they can see an open house and, you know, maybe it's in a small town. You know, I live, I come from a small town. And so let's say I'm selling a house in Virginia. Boom. I'm like, okay, bet we're going, this is a beautiful house. It has great amenities. It's fantastic. It's in a good location. Like it's going to sell. And because I know it's going to sell. I'm like, bet. I, I know that this is a great worth. I know that this is a good product. I place my open hot, my uh, for sale sign in the yard. 
I post on Facebook, on Instagram, on every single platform. Hey, open house. I even post on um, Zillow, right? Hey, it's an open house. This is the address. Pull up. Check it out. But as the days goes on, as the days go on, excuse me, I'm like, dang, okay, you know, we did it for the first day. People come out. They love it. Do it for the second day. People come out. They love it. Every day after that, though, I push my hours from we're going to do open house between 9 to 12. Then I push it from 9 to 2 p.m. Then I push it from 9 to 5 p.m. Then the next week, I push it to 9 to 9 p.m. Then the next week, I push it to 9 to 11 p.m. After that, I push it to 9 to 12 p.m. Or 12 a.m. At first, I was like, well, I'm pushing it because a lot of people don't get off work until 2. Okay. Then I push it because, oh, well, a lot of people get off work and then get their kids. So I'm going to open it up past 5. Understandable. Then I started to push it and I said, well... You know, since I'm already open past five, I might as well just stay open until 12 a.m. I guess. Then it starts coming to, okay, well, if I'm already open past 12 a.m., I might as well go all the way until 9 a.m. So now I'm on a 24-7 or a 24-hour open house cycle for this house. Over some time, I start to see that value depreciate. Not particularly the value of the house based on the amenities that are in it and based on where it's located, but the value that other people have in their mind about the house. I started to go around the community and ask them, hey, what's going on? Everybody liked the open house the first time. You know, I thought we were doing great. What's the issue? To my surprise, I realized that a lot of folks started to develop skepticism about the value of the house. Are you sure it's in a good location? Are you sure there's value in this house? Are you sure that the amenities, once I buy the house, that the amenities won't be broken? And so all of a sudden I was confused. Why would you say that? Where did you get this thought process or this understanding that the house was no good, that I was lying about the value of this house, that it had no purpose, that it had no function in this community and that it was a sore thumb, meaning that you would come into it and it would be everything that I said it wasn't. Where did that come from? And I got some insight that said, well, I was excited about the house when it was accessible only to a few people during certain hours of the day. When it was 9 to 2 p.m. or 9 to 5 p.m., yeah, it was a little inconvenient for me and my schedule. But because I really cared about this house, I was willing to take time off. I was willing to come within the hours that were set to visit it. But then when I started to see all types of people just coming to the house, Then when I started to see people come into the house and leave their trash, people come into the house who don't even plan on buying the house, people coming into the house who don't even have the money to buy the house, but are honestly who are just there interrupting the open house tours. When I started to see that, it started to make me think, why are they so desperate to sell this house so much so that they're letting anybody in it at all times of the night and all times of the day? I said, wow. Because of how accessible this house was. Though I thought I was doing a service to please everybody in the community who had interest, even if they didn't have the means to actually purchase the house, which was the end goal. 
because I was being so accessible, I ended up depreciating the value of the house because I did not protect how unique it was. I did not protect how many amenities it had compared to the other houses in the neighborhood. I did not protect the integrity of the house because I just let anybody come in, lay their stuff down and then leave. In fact, I labored harder in more days, in more hours, because when there was no one else to be there at the house, it was me there from 9 a.m. to 12, from 9 a.m. to 2, from 9 a.m. to 5, and then from 9 a.m. to 9, 12 a.m., and then from 9 a.m. to 9 a.m. again on a 24-hour cycle. I started thinking to myself, I am the problem. Too many people have access to the house. I say that example because I feel like it's that same exact way for our lives. I can specifically speak to black girls at PWIs, black folks at PWIs, who may feel the exact same way. You said your phone goes on do not disturb at 7 p.m. When it goes on do not disturb, you're not going to take any messages. You're not going to take any phone calls. You're not going to get on social media. You're just going to be one with yourself. Take care of your responsibilities. Do your homework. Maybe catch up on some work for tomorrow. Then you were going to light a candle. Turn on some Netflix. Relax. Then go to bed. Or for some folks, I'm going to light a candle. Open up my Bible. Talk to God. Take a shower. And then relax. But then one day, somebody decided to call three times. Anybody knows if your iPhone holder that all it takes is two calls to get you past that do not disturb. And now all of a sudden, one call is reaching your attention. Well, they called twice. At this point, they've called three times. So it must be a reason for that. They must really need me. It must be an emergency. So even though it's 9 p.m. and you said your phone goes on do not disturb at 7, you call this person back. You don't catch the call. You call this person back and you say, hey, hey, what's up? They respond, nothing much. Just want to check in. How are you doing? Oh, I'm doing pretty good. I, I, I actually was resting because it's not a boundary that's not good enough. So they say, oh, okay. How was your day? And then a phone call that you probably should have never answered or responded to until the morning, you end up being on for two hours talking about your day. Now, at this point, it's 11 p.m. And you can't typically be mad at the person because, yes, they burned you out. But no, you didn't protect your flicker. They had too much access to you. Now, I know we talk about burnout in a couple of different ways. I recently brought up at a workshop, I said, a lot of people think that burnout is I'm doing right what I need to do. And as a result, I'm doing so much of what I need to do that my body can't take it at all. My mental can't take it anymore. And I think another form of burnout that we should talk about more is I'm doing things that I may be called to without realizing that there is a shelf life for it. Meaning, I'm burning out because I'm performing 
outside of the functionality of today. I'm performing outside of the capacity that I have. I'm performing outside of the resources that I have. And I'm burning out because I'm overexerting myself in areas where a thing was supposed to come to me if I would just wait and stop trying to be the solution to all things at all times and all people. So if burnout can typically be a result of moving too fast in areas where a thing was supposed to come towards us, and access, too much accessibility can lead to burnout as well as leading to depreciating our value. Then sis, we got a lot of work to do. I'm coming to you in the morning, which means I have class. So I'm not going to wrap this up too fast, but I am going to say this. Too much access. Too much access to you. Too much access to your gift, too much access to your, your heart, too much access to your emotions, too much access to your schedule, too much access to your time, too much access to your energy, too much access to your passion. Allowing people to have too much access to you is self-neglect and a depreciation in the value that is within you. If I gave you a popsicle, this is about to get so graphic. I'm sorry. <laughs> if I give you a popsicle, I said, hey, we came all the way to Disneyland for this popsicle. We're not going to Florida. Um, shout out to you. Came all the way for to Dis Disney Channel for this one popsicle. It's the best popsicle in the world. Here you go. You get handed the popsicles, now a gift. It means so much to you. You've been trying to get here since you were 20 years old, since you were 15 years old, since you were six years old. You finally get it after 10, 15 years. And somebody says, hey, can I see? You bend your hand over and they're taking pictures of the popsicle. Okay, you think, you come back. You bend in front and you start walking and people are like, hey, can I get a picture of that? You're taking pictures. So as you're waiting for them to take the pictures, you start to notice the popsicles melt. And so you say, hey, um, appreciate the interest. Um, I'd really like to eat it if I could go. Okay, cool. You start walking. As you start walking, it's melting. You're, you're kind of taking some licks. You get probably two licks in. And then somebody comes up and they say, hey, so sorry. Um, I'm really just going through it. And the, the, the thing that will make my day is just to be able to, to get a taste of that popsicle. You say, um, you know, that maybe they don't look the best. Maybe it does look like they've had a rough day. And you say, okay, fine. Bet. Here, here you go. No problem. They lick the popsicle. You keep walking. Somebody says the same thing with a different story. They lick the popsicle. You keep walking. Somebody says the same thing with a different story and a different look. And because you pride yourself on having so much grace and because you pride yourself on being a lover and because you pride yourself on being the person that everybody goes to and because you pride yourself on being the superhero and the solution to everybody else's problems but your own, you start giving away your popsicle that you've been praying for for 15, for 10, for two, for three years and two months and then you realize wow this thing that I valued so much I let everybody touch it put their hands on it put their cameras on it get pictures of it lick it and taste it and I only got two licks I only tasted a little bit of the harvest that I had been soiling uh that I had sowed and that had been 
toiling over. I don't even get to taste the fruits of my labor because as much as I labored, every time I labored hard, I gave too many people access to the harvest. And so now I have nothing to show for it. I have nothing to benefit from. And as a result, I wither away because the fruits of my labor have gone to waste for everybody else but the laborer. Too much access is self-neglect. The last example I'll give you and then I'll go. If you go to a dealership, these are the freshest cars on the lot. They're super expensive. And at nighttime, the car dealership people say, hey, this is a, this is a nice lot, but you know, ain't nobody going to steal this. Why would anybody steal this, right? Maybe they don't see value in the cars. Maybe they got more than enough money. They're like, ain't nobody going to steal my joy. Ain't nobody going to steal my peace. Who, who would want my peace? <laughs> who would want my joy? Who would want my ideas? Like what? Nobody's going to steal that. And so all these garages that the cars, the fancy cars sit in that are high value to somebody else who doesn't speak that, that tax bracket, who doesn't have these cars, who doesn't have this, this, you know, this money and all, all this grandeur to them, it's high value. But to the people who are stewards over the cars, it's nothing to them. So when they leave the car dealership, they leave the cars in their garages unlocked and they leave the keys hung up on the ring. The next day they come back the next morning and they realize every single one of those cars are gone. They're going through it. Wait, where did where did the where did the Camaro go? Where did the SRT go? Where'd the Hummer go? Where'd, it, where'd the Rolls Royce go? What's what's going on? And they're stressed out and they're going through it. And somebody comes in who was watching last night and they say, hey, why y'all freaking out? They said, we're freaking out because we lost all the cars that we invest in and this and the third. And, and, and the person says, well, y'all didn't lock the garages. When the person says, yeah, we didn't lock the garages because we figured nobody would want a uh, Hummer. It came out in 2022. It's 2024. And the person says, well, that's your problem. You didn't see the value of what was in your garage, but somebody else did. And because you didn't see the value, you didn't secure the value. You didn't place certain security measures on it to make sure that nobody would steal it. So why are you looking confused? The people who have the car, they might be a little reckless. But at least they value it. Ooh. Friend, I give you all these examples. And I take up some of your time this morning. And this afternoon. Not to say that you don't have value. But to say that there's a possibility that you've been moving like you don't. If you value your joy. If you value your peace. If you value your purpose. If you value your life, if you value your calling, if you value your assignment, if you value your friends, if you value your emotions, if you value your heart, if you value your time and friend, if you value your energy, you must secure it. There's a Bible verse that says, guard your heart above all else. 
guard it. You must secure it. I'm not saying place steel walls up in the form of boundaries, but I am saying that your property needs some fences. I am saying that your property may need a gated door. I am saying your property, if you can afford it, might just need some security. But don't sleep on the value of your life and your gifts and your talents and your energy and your time so much so that you let anybody who asks for it have it. I know you want to show up for everybody. I know you want to be everywhere. I know your calling is big. And so sometimes you don't know the difference between your assignment and what's your awareness. But friend, I urge you, stop letting everyone have access to you. When you wake up and you wonder why you feel low, even though you filled yourself up before the nighttime, you gave a lot of your time and energy to scrolling and comparing yourself to scrolling and solving other people's problems to answering about 30 phone calls before you went to bed. And then you woke up on empty, not having a chance to refill because you did not guard your access. There's power in the guarding. There's beauty in the boundaries. There is safety in the security. You must start somewhere. I hope that out of all the days, out of all the hours, that you start here. I don't know if y'all can hear my background. The birds are chirping. I have an alarm about to go off because... When I say black girl in PWI, I really, I really live this life. You know what I'm saying? I'm about to wrap up, but friend, I wanted to encourage you. There's glory. I have a, I have a dearest friend that I met this past weekend at a Becoming Her Retreat, which is happening next year in September. So I'm going to shout it out in another episode just so y'all can have more of the details. But it was so beautiful. And I met a beautiful woman named Amara Graham. And she kept saying throughout the time, there's glory after this. There is, there's glory after the security. There's glory after the prioritization of boundaries and access. There's glory after this. But another thing that she said, quoting Esther, was maybe you were born Maybe you were called. Maybe you were created for a time such as this. And friend, if that is the case for you, this time requires you to do things differently than last time. I love you. I'm here for you. I'm praying for you. I hope you feel as always seen, heard, and felt. I hope you continue moving throughout your day this week and the rest of this year with the intentionality behind thriving instead of surviving. Today, we're thriving in our minds and in our hearts and in our boundaries. I'm proud of you. I'm rooting for you. Bye, sis.